The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of the living God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder what the Holy Eucharist would have looked like if Jesus had used another line of imagery. Maybe something like, I am the lamb chop of life. <laughs> we would need a good fridge and a grill in the sacristy. Our altar guild would become our grill masters. I mean, it's not maybe so far-fetched. He is the lamb of God, after all. And a few verses after our passage today, Jesus uses a different word for the normal one to say, eat. One that elsewhere is often translated as gnaw or crunch. And that does sort of conjure up a really delicious chop, right? That you don't want to put down until you've gotten every last little tidbit. It is bread, though, as in the one who gnaws on this bread will live forever. That still works, though, for anyone who's ever had just amazing bread that you couldn't even wait to toast or make a sandwich out of. Just get right into it. And if you haven't had that experience, I truly hope you do someday. Bread's pretty great. It's pretty simple too, though. Not fancy, great British Bake Off winning loaves, wonderful as those are, but just the basic stuff. Flour, water, salt, and yeast. The ordinary has kept billions of people fed and alive day after day kind of loaf. Some of y'all may know that I do a little bit of baking, or at least I did before Georgie came along. My dad grew, I, my dad did too when we were growing up, and he still does. He really only has a couple recipes that he makes, but he, he makes them well, and it's always a treat. In a similar way, I haven't really expanded my repertoire beyond 
a basic sourdough loaf, though I think I've really gotten it down at this point. And as a bonus, the house smells really wonderful after the bake. Simple pleasures, but also necessary ones. We find ourselves this Sunday amidst five weeks of the Gospel of John, the lectionary having jumped from our primary year C Gospel, Mark, into this Gospel, John. And I'm not actually sure why the lectionary does this here, except that they need to fit John in somewhere each year, because otherwise our three lectionary years focus on the Synoptic Gospels. To be honest, I'd prefer to just add a fourth lectionary year, but anyways. We began two weeks ago with the feeding of the 5,000, and we've moved into Jesus' teaching. One of his I am statements, like the Good Shepherd, or the light of the world. And given that recent miracle, bread must have been on his mind. Jesus has gotten maybe slightly irritated or just in a mood, and he asks those who keep following him from place to place if they're just there for a show, to see more wondrous signs, or perhaps just a free lunch. Those who know Jesus' family are also skeptical in response, since they think they know from where he came. And so Jesus continues to make the case that he is the way and the truth and the life. He is the gate, and it is through him that we may know God the Father. And through him, for the world that God the Father provides sustenance and eternal life, through what John will go on to hold up as the glory of Christ's cross and the empty tomb. Jesus also calls to mind their ancestors, the wandering Israelites for whom God provided manna, bread, food from heaven when they were chased and running and wandering in the desert. God sustained them in their need, but not surprisingly, knowing people, the Israelites murmured and complained too after the manna got boring. And so maybe the deeper problem wasn't actually the lack of food. John wants his readers and us to see the comparison between Moses and Jesus. That even the great prophet Moses, who saw God face to face, had people who couldn't quite see what he was up to, or his connection to God. And John's community, for whom he's writing this gospel, are still wounded from being kicked out of their former synagogue communities, and they're troubled. Why can't our fellow Jewish friends and family see what we see? What we so strongly believe about Jesus, they might have asked themselves. But if Moses had naysayers and complainers, then perhaps it's less distressing to them that Jesus does too. John's community seems to have remained polemical about it, whether they see or not, having been through something akin to a difficult divorce in their wider community. Though even they, like Paul, seem to have hope that God will continue to draw more and more people by grace to life in Jesus. And it takes grace. It takes being drawn by God because we so often think we know what will keep us going, what will give us life and meaning. Or we just get bored with the stuff that it does and want something new. We want to be in control. It's very human. It just gets us into trouble because so little is. So I started baking, well, basically not that long after I had been ordained a priest, so almost seven years now. And thinking about it, I know a lot of clergy 
who have a hobby or a passion for something that has clear and definable results, and often something that is tactile as well. Because a lot of our work is interior, of the soul and heart, and often unfinished, because, well, the Lord has yet to return, I'd guess for myself and others, there's a satisfaction in doing something that requires physical work like kneading, and that produces a clear result at the end. And bread just happens to also be a delicious result. And even, even mediocre bread is still pretty good when it's fresh baked, though remind me and I'll show you a picture sometime when I tried to bake in a fine temperature very well. Lava rock on the outside, raw dough on the inside like a jelly donut. We call that a learning experience. But I wonder, besides the getting to eat fresh bread, if it's also satisfying to me to bake because I long for control in a world where so much is out of it. I like the process of learning, of tweaking a variable, a little more salt, a little less water, and seeing how it changes the loaf, but also perhaps because so often tweaking a variable in my own life can have little discernible result. The work of hands and time and fire is a lot more reliable once you learn those inputs. But human life seems wildly all over the place. Despite the attention the feeding of the 5,000 got Jesus and the needs that it provided for, Jesus doesn't want people to get over-fixated on those basic needs. Not that seeking security or stability or enough to eat each day certainly is a bad thing, of course. It's just not the only thing. Or for Jesus, the first Jesus wants to be our bread, our everyday sustenance, the foundation of our spiritual nutrition pyramid. And not we as individuals only, but our families, our communities, our world. And again, that's not to say that the good work of providing for the basic needs of those in desperate places isn't wholly a necessary work. It is. Mahatma Gandhi, not a Christian, but a wise man, said when speaking to some of the English people who were still in his country at the time, there are people in the world so hungry that God can only appear to them as bread. There are people in the world so hungry that God can only appear to them as bread. And God does every time we gather around the altar. Most of us here, of course, don't qualify for that literally, and I don't mean to diminish that very true need, but for all humans, our hungers run deep, our needs seemingly insatiable, and our appetite for variety even more so. Depend first upon Jesus, the bread of life. It takes reminding to recall that, and that's why the wise ones of the church have ever advocated our praying, reading scripture, and serving together and on our own. The daily bread of the life of faith, as it were. So that when we are in stormy waters, or desperate and hungry, or spun out of control, or exhausted by the continuing stress of this hell, navigate those things knowing that the source of life and light is with us, has sought us out, and will not abandon us, no matter the circumstances, 
Our daily bread is offered. We have only to reach out our hands to receive it.